Hello everybody and welcome back to Chapter Tactics where we go over tactics and strategies to help both new and veteran players alike. You will notice that we are not using webcams today. Um, decide not to use them. This is going to be it's a more comfortable episode, you know, so just sit back, close your eyes unless you're driving. Don't don't drive and close your eyes. Just uh, sit back and relax, and uh, we're going to fill your ear holes with knowledge here. Uh, I am your host, Magikarp Usefly, also known as Matt, and with me today, we've got Batty from the Harlequin Discord. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, all the things that you do? How's it going, everybody? As uh, as Matt graciously introduced me, my name is Batty. My real name is Jared, if you ever see me pop up in uh, goings-ons, but I go by Batty mostly on the Harlequin Discord, the Harlequin subreddit, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. This is going to be a really fun time. When I first started, like, in 8th edition, I started going into, like, the first real Discord that I went into for 40k was, like, Tyranids, and that was it. And then now that, like, new books are dropping and stuff, and I have more armies, now I'm starting to join, like, these other Discords. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you're in control, or, like, you're the owner for the Harlequin Discord. How's that been working out, especially with, like, the new book? It's honestly been really cool. So I, I kind of spearheaded the whole Harlequin community. I shouldn't say that's a little braggadocious of me, but yeah. <laughs> I kind of got pushed into the role of spearheading the whole Harlequin online community. I'm the de facto uh, head moderator of the subreddit. I created the Discord, so on and so forth. And it's been such an awesome time. I'm so happy with our community, the people we have, the discourse and the conversations we have. I c genuinely couldn't ask for a better group of people to call, call our, our tribe. Yeah, yeah. But did you see like an uptick in the community when uh, the new book came out? Uh, we did, actually. So mm -hmm. going over the analytics real quick over just uh, my my uh, my memory, mm -hmm. we saw an uptick of about three to four hundred members in the nine week precedent period uh, like of the codex the codex hype wow. especially when the leaks like started ticking in mm -hmm. to right about now we crested about 400 new users in that nine-ish week period okay okay and like how so how long have you been playing harlequins for like did, so did you start actually... off with like eldar and stuff and then go into harlequins like what was your story going into it I actually started in 8th edition just like you did. I'm not sure if we started at the same time, but I started mm -hmm. at the advent of 8th edition. I was a, I'm still a competitive Magic the Gathering player, but I was at my LGS playing some Magic, and I noticed some guys over there playing what was 40k. And I was like, oh, this is cool. What is this? And like, oh, you know, this is Warhammer. You know, the new edition's coming out. Come and hang out and talk to us. And I went home, saw some battle reports online. I saw some mini wargaming stuff, and I saw Harlequins, and I was hooked immediately. I'm like, that one. I want to do that thing. So I got into it i started initially playing drakari because harlequins was kind of like a it's, it's a hard army to dive headfirst into as a first army but i immediately pivoted into harlequins once i was capable and i've just been driving it ever since so harlequins really was my de facto first army i just started with dark eldar models to actually get on the table yeah it's, uh, it's like always been a uh, a strong argument about harlequins like a lot of people really like harlequins but for a first army it's an army that like naturally breaks a lot of rules so, exactly. So it's hard to pick up as a first army and then pivot to another army after Harlequins being like, what? I don't get advance in charge? What is this, yeah. what is this blasphemy? I don't understand. And especially in the beginning of 8th edition where you are allowed to be so general or generous with your souping options, I could play whatever I wanted in, yeah. in a single detachment. So I could play my Scourges and my Cabalite Warriors and my players and my Haywire Bikes and not care. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so you've been playing for a decent amount of time. 
Um, so you played through eighth edition, going into ninth edition, and uh, that that transition from like eighth to ninth with an eighth edition codex. Uh, Harlequins did you know pretty well, right? In the beginning of ninth edition, they did they did somewhat fine. Yeah, we we had a pretty soft transition into into ninth edition because the gen the edition itself was fairly generous in a lot of the rules changes towards the Harlequin playstyle. That it was a really smooth transition for us into the edition, and so yeah, I mean, I I think we we had a very easy time getting into ninth edition as a whole. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of uh, cool stratagems and tactics that carried over to eighth edition. Things like um, you know flip belt, obviously, but stuff like uh, Segaro's jest. You know, we had that white dwarf uh, psychic awakening basically or oh, supplement yeah. and that one really brought up the faction more uh gave us access to pivotal roles all that cool stuff that like people know about harlequins now um so this would be like a good segue of what do you think about eighth edition harlequins versus the ninth edition ones now with a new book oh wait i forgot to say this this show is brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get amazing game mats for not just your 40k games, but almost any tabletop game out there. Purchase miniatures at a discount and join some of the largest 40k events in the industry. We've also got shows like Signals from the Frontline, Chapter Tactics, which you're listening to right now, uh, Grim After Dark, and so much more. That's FrontlineGaming.org. Also on top of that, we've got BAO coming up. We've got LSO coming up. ACO. we got so much cool stuff coming up so go get your tickets to those events you can check it out in the link in the description all that good stuff and let's get on with the rest of this episode um so that that's a really there's two ways you can answer that question Mm -hmm. i i I genuinely don't like 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 heavily miss anything from eighth edition i know it's a bit of a hot take i don't overtly miss miss anything from our eighth edition codex i think ninth edition gave us a lot of good toys a lot of new rules and retained a lot of the staying power that we had in eighth edition there are a few things that we had to compromise on so the i guess my answer would be these things you know i miss the overarching choreographer of war reroll aura going back down to the only ones is kind of kind of crummy um i'm a little i'm a little undecided in how i like the haywire change compared to eighth edition i, I kind of see arguments for both sides of that story yeah and hey haywire cannons are like in a weird spot they're, they're like strength three ap3 mm-hmm. d3 and they're a heavy weapon so it's like it's weird man compared to what it was before and like the mortal wounds aren't like uh, you can still get a lot of mortal wounds but it's not as i don't know the damage i think from like the um what is it the uh the stats from earlier when the book first released like the damage is mm-hmm. pretty much the same if not better but yeah. that's into vehicles. like Exactly. Yeah. So I, I get what G- GW was doing with this rebalance, and I don't mm-hmm. overtly disagree with it because, you know, the Haywire is meant to take down vehicle, keyword vehicle weapons. I get that. I agree with that. You're not wrong. In 8th edition, it was objectively better than Shuriken in virtually every scenario. There was virtually yeah. no reason to run Shuriken over Haywire because Haywire still mulched infantry. It still burned down vehicles. The only thing it didn't do was monsters, and it doesn't do that anyway. It's not for that, so what does it matter? You know, Now we actually have that pick and choose of do we want the strength 6-2 damage Shuriken or do we want the Haywire that will still statistically melt vehicles? Yeah, and like that's kind of like the problem, right? Because uh, vehicles are already like out of the meta. As of right now, I, I think like the only vehicles you really see are what dreadnoughts and uh, uh, devilfish. And I think like yeah, those are right? like, the only vehicles that you see nowadays. Uh, God forbid you face against the national military player. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, 
you 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 don't have those so then like that kind of makes haywire just kind of poo poo garbage right like it just doesn't yeah. fit well like a, a t6 thing like if you're shooting into something that's t6 uh like say what is it uh vertus praetors right you're mm-hmm. wounding on sixes that's yeah. awful that's so mm-hmm. bad that's so yeah. bad yeah. It's really not even fun to shoot into just regular T4 infantry like MEQs. It's not even fun for that. Like, it's great yeah. for mulching guard, but what isn't? Yeah, right? It, it's like uh, when, when all of your weapons can kill Marines, who cares if you can kill Marines, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's the same concept where, like, it, it's like a kill more secondary where it's just, yeah, I kill it more. I was going to kill it already, mm-hmm. but now I just kill it more. And it's just... No, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. Um, another change that's really big is the, the fusion pistol changes, right? Yeah. Going from five so- down to two. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I even back in the days, like uh, I, I was always a big, big proponent of the soaring spite play style, just the zooming mm-hmm. fusion boats, mm-hmm. you know, maximizing fusion output. That was always my niche. That was the thing I like to do. Um, so it was really back and forth for me to change off of two or five fusions back down to two. But now I'm not even sure if I want to at all. And that's weird. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely feel that it's the six inch. The six inch range is still uh, pretty hard to deal with um yeah you know you you run light you can advance and shoot uh which is nice but then you're kind of like mispositioning yourself sometimes with fusion pistols Mm -hmm. and then you only get like two shots with them and then it's like well let's hope that they land like let's (laughs) what Mm -hmm. you hit on on threes you can't get like re-roll wound rolls um uh while you're inside of a transport as well exactly so it just it doesn't make much sense with like two fusion pistols as much as it used to be um also losing stuff like segro's jest where i think mm-hmm. it was Segro's or no curtain falls where you could um, yes curtain fall yeah yeah now you have to be next to a transport in order for it to go yeah. off it makes troops like super unreliable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and especially getting troops out there is really really sketchy right now and like like mm-hmm. you alluded to getting your boat that close to be within six inches getting it that danger close even though our boats are still pretty tricksy you know we still have a hard time getting shot down with mirage yeah, yeah. launchers and all that good stuff mm-hmm. it's it's still not worth it not for those two shots there aren't many situations where i'm looking i mean obviously aside from the elephant of the room that is void weavers yeah there, you know uh, I don't really see myself getting in a situation where I'm like, mm, I need to be in that six inches away to pop my fusions instead of just shooting shuriken. Yeah, yeah. And then and then if you're up against the mirror matchup and they bring mirror architect with their shadow seer, then you can't even shoot your fusion. Yeah, pistol. fusions so physically like, don't work. Huh, cool. Well, this sucks. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but I wasted those 10 points per troop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, re- you, you, ju- you just eluded to um, uh, the nine void, or void weavers, right? Yeah. So... Obviously, nine void weaver spam. You know it's going through the meta like chili at a fast food restaurant. Oh, uh, yeah. how, how how does that make you feel? It's really bittersweet, dude. Like, mm. so I, I love the void weaver as a premise. I like having that fast, that mobile gunboat, that gunship mentality. I really like that for harlequins, and I think it's a great spot to be in both fluff and rules wise. But Oh, it's really bittersweet seeing a unit that I enjoyed and I tried so hard to make work for literally years be so dominant and take a lot of the fun out of the game on both yeah. sides of the table. Yeah, I can definitely feel that. Um, the whole nine void weaver thing, like before, uh, you could only run them as three, and the weapon yep. option wasn't very good. It was like, yeah, you know, like well, like what you said, you took you took so long trying to make that one unit mm-hmm. work. Um, and I then, actually had a single Void Weaver in my list at LVO 2019, question mark. And 
it, I mean, it worked. It did the thing, but like, I didn't need it. It shouldn't have been there. But yeah. like, I tried so hard to make those things palatable, and now they're just they they went from they went from zero to sixty in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And like now now that there's nine Void Weaver spams uh coming out, and that's like the staple now for Harlequins. Um, yeah. Like how, when when you're looking at like your list, do you start with nine void weavers? Or are you like part of the whole group where you don't want to run that many void weavers, or at least you know uh, before the balance like that's about to come out, which is probably going to nerf it like pretty hard. Oh yeah, I, I think it's unrealistic to expect void weavers to be untouched at all. We're going to be seeing some kind of uh, knee capping to void weavers soon. But personally speaking, I don't run nine void weavers. I've only ever played with a maximum of six, and I haven't really felt very uh, restricted by it. Uh, it's also you know the models I own. I only own nine boats as of this recording, mm. so I can't play nine void weavers and have transports. Yeah, but yeah. like. I, I, I don't really want to run nine Void Weavers, and I don't mean to be um, kind of just, you know, stamping my feet and being like, well, no, I don't want to do it. But, like, I, 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 there's other things I want to do with the army. I want to have more transports. I want to have two Death Jesters. I want to have w- at least one Shadow Seer. You know, I, there's other stuff I want to fill. I'm going to keep my Shadow, uh, my, uh, my Solitaire in my list. So I, yeah. there, there's other places I can put those points. Yeah, no, the, the book is, like, surprisingly very in-depth for only having, like, 11 pages um everything feels good like there, there are some units that i feel like are still uh a little bit overcosted. i think that sky weavers are still a tad bit overcosted. um yeah comparatively to like void weavers and stuff mm-hmm. um but like there's so many different play styles you can do and i think that that's something that not a lot of people really know about harlequins they probably just look at it as like oh it's an army with only eight data sheets what yeah. what's the most that they can do there's a lot there's a lot oh, of stuff absolutely yeah yeah, like you we're have- very gifted the fact that our sadists are very different in how they perform and how they act, and we have very specialized niche units that fill roles very differently within those sadists. A light troop is going to function fundamentally different than a twilight troop. A oh, yeah. light squad of sky or a skyweavers is going to function fundamentally different than a dark squad of skyweavers. Yeah, and I think that that's like incredibly good, and I feel like that you know um, having that inside of our pocket. Uh, makes Harlequins a very diverse army uh, in, like, different types of metas, uh, depending on, like, what's strong and what isn't strong. You can kind of, like, you know, flip-flop uh, between different sadists, and I think that that's awesome. Like, you look at other armies where, you know, uh, they'll have nine different sub-factions, and only two of them are good. Like, look at Grey Knights, right? There's only, oh, like, for two sure. that are good. But we have three yeah. that are just all good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we have a 100% uptick on our sub-faction versus some factions getting like a 15 to a 30% uptick. Like, that's incredible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, you were talking about, like, you only run, like, six Void Weavers at max. What are the other builds mm-hmm. from Harlequins that you've been enjoying or uh, see promise with? So, I think both Dark and Twilight have some play into the game. And you and I talked about this a little bit in the Discord itself, that Light provides the path of least resistance and has the highest potential in and what it does. However, I still think Dark has the highest maximum potential and output as far as mm-hmm. raw raw performance. So, I really do want to start seeing Dark pop up on the table because that extra AP can do a whole lot of work. And Dark's... Um, Subfaction traits and its warlord trait are going to put in a lot of work for this army, even just at the slightest me- uh, meta pivot. Should we see that in the future, especially once void weavers become less palatable and they stop eating up an an automatic eight hundred points of your list? Yeah, yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know what the uh, 
traits that you gain for a dark sadith it is uh fight on death if you haven't fought already uh just built in which is incredibly good incredible yep um and then you get extra ap with all of your weapons so that means that things like your harlequin blades are going to become ap4 in melee combat uh things like your zephyr glades are going to be ap3 um and then you can spend two cp to ignore invulns so it's like a very aggressive very um uh high octane i guess type of uh play style for harlequins right it's going to be a very forgiving playstyle because you can mm-hmm. get your you can kind of YOLO charge your troops and get them in there because they're going to fight regardless. Fight last doesn't matter to Dark. You yeah. having the initiative doesn't matter because they're gonna fight either way. And with that extra AP comboed with some of the other, you know, little tricksy hobbitses that we can do, you're going down. They're taking you with them. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's actually uh, a really cool playstyle. I think that uh recently Steven Box from Vanguard Tactics got, I believe, second place at a recent GT. He couldn't compete for first place because he had to leave. Uh, oh okay yeah but he got uh up to second place running a dark list with zero void weavers yeah, yeah. good for i mean it doesn't surprise me box is an incredible player so that doesn't oh, yeah. surprise me yeah. at least yeah and he he's like he's been uh playing harlequins for like a long long time too so yeah he, he knows what's going on i i, I recently played like um try, trying to find like fun list to play i i recently played a harlequins uh game running the yin karn and just okay. uh, forgoing Luck of the Laughing God, but keeping mm-hmm. the Dark Sadith trait. So then that way, I could basically sacrifice my troops. I don't lose value because they still fight on death. And then yeah. I just pop up the Yin Karn right next to it in order to set up for mm-hmm. next turn. Um, yeah. And then you're still, like, very strong in shooting and in melee. So you could still, like, kill off units, bring up the Yin Karn. You don't need Luck of the Laughing God because you want to die anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it's it, There's just, like, fun stuff you could do with the... With, with with the Eldar book, and it's not even just like Harlequins. Like you can still soup with like stuff like Drukari. You can soup with uh, Eldar. Ha- has that come up with you at all? Like uh, starting to soup Harlequins as traveling players. Um, personally, not yet. I do say yet because I do plan to experiment with it, but I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to my Harlequins. I really like to play mono faction and kind of maximize my faction as it is. But in I I, I will play soup lists in a less competitive sense of course i want to play i want to win i want to optimize the list i'm making but i won't do it in a sense of trying to min max my list but it's definitely on my docket to have happen in the future yeah yeah i i i'm i'm pretty much the same way when it comes to harlequins i like just them running as a pure faction because just because i think that that's the coolest um how, how wait so like how did it feel going from like your own codex over to an eldar codex and like being consolidated into a single codex um, it virtually doesn't bother me at all. It kind of mm-hmm. stinks that like all, all the artwork isn't there. And I, I have the special edition Eldar Codex right here in my lap. And I have my eighth edition special edition Harlequin Codex on my desk. And it's kind of sad to see a swooping hawk on here instead of a player. But it is what it is. Yeah. Um, honestly, just less money I had to spend. I was going to I was going to buy the <laughs> graphical buy the... book either way. Yeah. <laughs> I might have gotten the Inari book, too, if it had its own. So I'd rather spend, you know, 80 bucks on this than God knows what it would have spent on all three books. So Man, it doesn't bother me all that can much. You, can you imagine a Yanari book being uh, being sold for <laughs> $60 and only having five pages? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they don't have a whole lot less information than we do, and we were our own yeah. codex last year. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they have, uh, uh, like, almost, uh, I think if I'm remembering correctly, Black Templars have more data sheets in their codex than Mm -hmm. does by like three or four which isn't very (laughs) that that kind of sucks like yeah yeah yeah, it's it's kind of kind of stupid so (laughs) 
do you want to? Uh, how about you go over like the different uh, builds that you've been going for with uh, Harlequins uh, that doesn't involve Void Weavers or like doesn't go for that nine Void Weaver spam? Yeah, for sure. So I, I like as I mentioned before, I haven't been really pushing for nine Void Weavers at all, and I've been trying to. Uh, uh, brainstorm different ide- ideas for lists that take mm. fewer void weavers. Like I'm still running six here and there, but I'm looking at lists that only run like two as like outflankers to kind of just run out and pop those uh, prismatics where they need to, or only a squad of three or none. Where I'm trying to fit sky weavers back into our into my list a lot more now, yeah. because as you mentioned before, sky weavers are a little overcosted. I think void weaver, you know, balance aside, I think sky mm. weavers could still stand to have a couple points shaved off of them because spending what is like 54 points with upgrades for yeah. a three wound model is pretty feels bad in a lot of scenarios but i i still really love the utility of that of that of these uh jet bikes and especially if we ever see a need for an uptick of an abundance of haywire like if admet comes around and with you know in full force they're, they're gonna have a lot of playability and a lot of options for us that i want to be ready for and i want to understand how to how to play around yeah, definitely. I, I've been playing around with some Skyweavers too. Um, you know, uh, when I first started with Harlequins, I was on that. Uh, I played a lot of Frozen Stars, so I have like fifteen yeah. Skyweavers. Yep. Right. So like, their versatility is still the same as it is now, but they did lose some things that made them stronger before, like uh, Prismatic Blur. You can't have yes. Prismatic Blur on them anymore, which is yes. a huge huge blow to skyweavers mm-hmm. if you really think about it like oh it very much is there's a couple of things that, that that balance off of that and why why that's such a big hit to us first and foremost just having a unit that is native native minus one to shooting which it's not anymore yeah that can get a three up invuln with anywhere from you know a minimum of six but no one ever takes two skyweavers say you know balancing somewhere between 15 and 18 wounds that is minus one to hit three up invuln that's an incredibly tanky especially a line mm-hmm. that you can spread out and just make this you know a line of demarcation in the middle of the battlefield that says you need to get through me and you can't and not yeah. to mention we can talk about some of the ways eighth edition used to abuse that where you could twilight pathways it and then oh. use it in the psychic phase so that way you had two units with a three up invuln yeah. it was it, it, it was a really hard nut to crack oh yeah yeah definitely and then like um and, and if you guys didn't know uh before you used to be able to use twilight pathways during your psychic phase have a unit advance and that was the only prerequisite that you needed for prismatic blur precisely uh, so if you could advance inside your psychic phase, then you can cast prismatic blur on two units at the same time instead of just um, instead of just one, right? Uh, but then there was an FAQ that changed that um, because it was a little bit too strong because you know, that is pretty freaking strong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but because they don't have that prismatic blur anymore, it's hard to use these sky weavers in the same way that you used to. Before you could use them as like tar pitting units. Um, you can still tar pit them, but you're only going off of like a T4 chassis with three wounds. And Mm -hmm. the only caveat is like, it's minus one to hit and you can't reroll your hit rolls against it. Um, it does not survive like very long at all. And the Skyweaver Mirage is only minus one in melee now. It's not even minus one shooting anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to pop, um, lightning fast reactions in order to give it a minus one to hit in the first place. Yeah. So you know, you couple that with uh, Haywire Cannons not being that great anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Their melee is better, though. You know, the melee is significantly better. Yeah, strength 5, AP 2, 2 damage. Uh, you get 4 attacks on it per swing. Like, that's yeah. pretty good. But was it 3 attacks before? I think it was 3, uh, right? If I, you want me to pull it up real quick, I have my book in front of me so I can yeah. check for you. But yeah. I want to say yes, because for some reason, that player who wrote on the back didn't know how to swing his... Uh, 
his thing. Yes, it was three attacks. So yeah, yeah. he didn't know how to swing his glaive properly, but <laughs> he went to the gym and he figured it out. Yeah, yeah. Like um, uh, Skyweavers before they they especially in Frozen Stars, um, because then that's how you would get like twenty attacks on the charge. Oh yeah. Um, you know they were very very pivotal. Uh, for the uh, Harlequin army, and no now pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, now in ninth edition, they've taken a step back because of Void Weavers being significantly stronger for the same point cost. You know, you're looking at ninety yep. point boy, Void Weaver for ninety points of two bikes. Like that, it's just it's a no brainer. Why would you go for two bikes when exactly. you just go for a Void Weaver instead? That um, is objectively better and does virtually everything except melee combat significantly better than the Skyweaver currently does. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, with the Voidweaver more than likely about to get hit, uh, does that mean that you're going to start, like, putting even more Skyweavers into your builds now? Or uh, what What are you thinking about doing with Skyweavers? Are you thinking about bringing them back in? Or are you leaving them out? What, what What's your take on it? A lot of that's going to hinge on exactly what happens with our data slate change when it comes about. Because if, you know, Void Weavers get nuked into the ground, then there's a lot of room. There, you know, Sky Weavers have some pretty big shoes to fill, but they've got the ability to do it. Um, I'm not sure, speaking off the cuff, I'm not sure my list changes, at least at least my competitive list, my, you know, actually trying to win list. I'm not sure it changes all that much at all currently. But every, you know kick in the shin that the void weavers take is a further incentive for me to start play testing and start actually grinding with sky weavers and getting used to using them again because they are very close on the coattails of void weavers for filling that same mm-hmm. slot oh yeah definitely um what they lose like three shots of shuriken cannons um because mm-hmm. and then that's mostly it you're trading out your prismatic cannons for a zephyr glaive instead which is yeah. not as good obviously but uh still good enough right it's significantly more relevant in a different role, though, because your bikes like to get close and they like to be in the fray, which your Void Weavers don't. And having that glaive to back you up in that melee combat is really useful. Yeah, and one thing that um, that Skyweavers have uh, over Void Weavers as of right now is that they are core, which means that yes. they do get access to the minus one to wound uh, off of the Shadow Seer, uh, which isn't like that crazy because most of the time your skyweavers are off doing like their own thing and they're not next to the shadow seer most of the time um yeah and then they also uh can uh gain access to having fog of dreams casted on them so that gives them a little bit more resiliency right uh do you want to explain what fog of dreams does so Fog of Dreams uh, targets a friendly Harlequin unit, Harle- from the Harlequin core unit, and so, uh, it's a core and core and character, correct? I think you can use I it believe it's core and character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it fr- targets a friendly Harlequin core unit and says if this unit is um, not the closest visible model and outside of I want to say twelve inches, it can't be shot. Yeah, it just you can't mm-hmm. shoot it. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't exist in terms of shooting attacks, which is super helpful in getting these units that want to be danger close, like Skyweavers, like you know, players R.I.P. Core, in the fray <laughs> and giving that that giving them that extra room to make that advance uninhibited. Another unit that's also incredibly good right now uh, that we haven't even talked about yet is the Starweaver, the the transport that we have access to, um, got up in terms of uh even more resilience it's the same type of thing as a void weaver minus one to hit naturally in both melee and in range combat plus you can't reroll your hit roll six wounds t5 all that good stuff you slap on look at the laughing god um makes your troops a lot more resilient um what 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 are you thinking about these uh these star weavers i absolutely love them 
and like i try oh, to like, put as much as i can oh dude so i i don't want to yeah. say they received a glow up because they were good to begin with like oh, yeah, they, they were yeah. no slouch to begin with but they really did kind of keep up with the rest of the army as as we got that rebalancing and as you mentioned both the uh, mirage launcher that gives it the blankest minus one to hit you know outside of light because whatever but the blankest minus one to hit no re-rolls is huge for these things oh, not yeah. having to re-roll against them increases their resilience exponentially they still have their base four plus invulns or they're you know a little tricksy to take down but the shuriken change did wonders for them in their ability to actually soften up targets, whether it's for your void weavers to cap them off and finish them off, or just to get your players in and bounce them out and do those last couple mortal wounds, removing key infantry members, chipping away armor pieces, you know, so on and so forth to allow your infantry to take those last final shots and get through into that meaty center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like and I think that what you're explaining here is um you know, everyone's seeing like a lot of this nine void weaver spam thing where they can, you know, just absolutely nuke a unit um, without taking damage back, right? Uh, yeah. But if you look at the rest of the Harlequin Codex, a lot of the damage that you're going to be seeing is basically just like layering the different ways that you can deal damage, right? You have to deal damage 100%. inside of, yeah, like you have to deal damage inside your shooting phase. You have to do it in your melee phase. You have to do it uh, possibly in your psychic phase, even in the charge phase. Yeah. Uh, like you have to really work hard sometimes with the Harlequins in order to get mm -hmm. the damage out without the Void Weavers uh, being like something that you can fall back on, right? exactly it would which i feel like it's so cool like it, it's so fun being able to have like an army where um yes nine void weavers is strong but like if you strip away the, the nine void weavers obviously the army does get weaker however there are some options that you can do um in order to layer on damage in order to still swing back at people right Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I genuinely, I, I genuinely believe that the, I mean, the Void Weaver is a problem. We need to do something about addressing the power level of the Void Weaver in of itself. But our our codex is going to live without the Void Weaver. The Void Weaver could hypothetically be plucked out of our codex, and we still have play into the game. Now, don't get me wrong; we will suffer dramatically mm -hmm. against T seven and up without without a prismatic cannon currently mm -hmm. in the in the current you know uh sandbox mm -hmm. but our army still lives without the void weaver we still have incredible melee we still have very potent shooting we still have fantastic mobility and scoring potential this game is yeah. about scoring and we score very well in the current game yeah and uh that that's what's really cool about harlequins um is their flexibility in secondaries um when you look at like the nine void weaver spam list right um, one of the things that people are totally gawking about is obviously the nine void weavers. I keep saying that we're, we're going to talk about that later with like, you know, <laughs> talking about what we want out of the balance slate. But when you're looking at like, uh, these nine void weaver lists, dude, the flexibility in the secondaries that you can take is insane. It's so crazy. You can switch between deadly performance and to the last, mm -hmm. or you can take no prisoners. If you're going up against Tau and you feel like that you are just going to absolutely merc their uh, battle suits, you can take yeah. stranglehold, you can take engage, you can take warp veil, you can take psychic interrogation. There's so many options and secondaries for Harlequins. It's like, it's crazy. And all of their secondaries inside the book, uh, like besides maybe um, what's, what's the one uh, uh, show like, show your performance or something like that the one where it's like a spotlight yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like to the stage or something like that yeah yeah something like that um besides that one like the warp veil and um deadly performance are both incredibly good secondaries yeah. in this book 
It's so I, I'm the kind of person that always, 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 always took engage because it's just like it's a it's a brain dead choice for Harlequins because we move so fast. We have such generous choices for our secondaries right now. I forgot to take engage. Like <laughs> I'm just like I want to try this. I want to try that. Ooh, that one looks fun. That looks doable. Oh wait, I forgot engage was a thing. I could have just yeah okay. yeah. <laughs> and what you know you know what's also cool about engage is that like. You, you take Engage, and you have, like, these Star Weavers that can move, like, 22 inches because they have a 6-inch auto advance, all that stuff, right? And, like, yeah. what you can do is you can just, like, take your Star Weavers and your Sky Weavers and pull them away from objectives. So then it kind mm-hmm. of, like, makes opponents have to get off of those objectives in order to deal with yeah. them. So, like, there's so many mind games and different ways that you can play the game with Harlequins that have, like, a high ceiling. Um, and it's just, like, it's the same thing as 8th Edition, right? Uh, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I never thought I'd be talking about kiting in this context because you know you don't think about kiting in a game like this, but that's exactly what we can do because these things need to be dealt with. You know, you have all these options to different secondaries. You have all these options to different units, all that stuff. That's all good and dandy. Um, however, we do know that a balanced slate is coming out. Uh, according to the Warhammer community page, um, yes, I think like by next weekend, I believe it's. I think it's on mm-hmm. next Friday. So. With that in mind, let's get into like just the huge nitty gritty here. Uh, we'll start with you. What are you expecting is going to change, and what would you like to be changed about Harlequins in this balance slate? And just to throw in anything, like what else uh, from other armies you'd want to see? Yeah. So specifically relating to Harlequins, we we can address the elephant in the room that obviously Void Weavers need need to have a, a bit of an adjustment. I think specifically speaking, I think if we can tack on about ten to fifteen points to the chassis of the Void Weaver, and then make the prismatic cost between five and ten points in and of itself, if we can put the Void Weaver somewhere in the ballpark of about one hundred and twenty ish points, um, you, you should be able to take a squad of nine hypothetically, assuming we can keep nine. Mm-hmm. You should have to invest a, at at least about a thousand points into taking nine void weavers nine void weavers should be an investment if we're still able to take them i shouldn't just be able to brain dead slap nine void weavers in my list and only spend 800 points uh void weavers absolutely need to need to be receiving at least 25 points onto their data sheet as it is right now um on top of that I think Sky Weavers are getting a bit of a, a bit of a love tap too. Sky, I'm sorry, Star Weavers, not Sky Weavers. Oh God, yeah, Star yeah. Weavers, um, probably probably getting about ten to fifteen points of their own, just because they are extremely effective, as we mentioned, at what they do, and we need to kind of pull those back just a little bit and tuck them up to you know pull them by the collar a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, and the hot take that we've talked about a little bit, Luck of the Laughing God needs some work. It, yeah. it needs some attention because Sadly. it's probably. I agree. So I love, 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 love Luck of the Laughing God Mm -hmm. as an ability, as a thematic, you know, piece of the game. I think it is a fantastic, whoever designed it deserves kudos. Oh, yeah. But it's so good. It's a little, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I don't think it in of itself is busted. The mechanic isn't broken. However, the abundance to which we can use it, we can abuse it is and that's what needs mm-hmm. to be adjusted mm-hmm. there's a couple ways you can look at it um some people option the idea of taking one to two dice away from us yeah sure fair um some people are floating the idea that you can only spend certain numbers of dice in certain situations so, like you can only use it on one unit per turn you can only use one per phase per turn so you know a couple different balance ideas like that and i think some of those are pretty valid i don't think you should be able to dump all five of your luck dice into a single squad of void weavers or into your solitaire into you know god knows what else because that really swings the game and that might be the most unfun circumstance to be in in this game 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've played games with Luck of the Laughing God and uh, uh, Harlequins and everything like that. Um, and it can be like you if you're looking into your opponent's eyes as you say, "Okay, Luck of the Laughing God," you just see them die inside. Like it uh-huh. is so, it is so sad to look at, and it's like, "Sorry, dude, your D three plus three damage." Oh, I failed it. Ah, JK. Ah. Yep. <laughs> just, it's just so sad. Part of what makes it a little a little bitter to be around is that the game literally invented this core mechanic to keep these rerolls from touching those abusable units to keep things like in our circumstances void weavers. But you look at stuff like um, you know Caladius tanks back when they were relevant for uh, for custodies. You look at um, you know Primaris vehicles sitting in you know Primaris castles mm-hmm. that they kept they took that away from them because those situations weren't fun and then they just threw us this ability and said yeah all of your stuff gets rerolls yeah yeah (laughs) and it kind of defeats the relevance of the core mechanic in and of itself but i also agree with the fact that we literally have no other source of rerolls in our army yeah that's something that i wanted to bring up right after uh right right after you're done is that look at laughing god is powerful right um i think that we can all agree that like but the problem is that out of all of Harlequin, all of all the things that Harlequins have access to, I think that there's only two, maybe three defensive buffs that you can give. Um, yep. And like, that is it. You have lightning fast reactions. Yep. You have prismatic blur that can only be used on infantry now. And mm-hmm. you have your shadow seers minus one to wound for core. Exactly. And, and that is it. Once, once you, like a lot of people are saying, oh yeah, when well, your boats are hard to hit, and then you have Look of the Laughing God. It's the same thing that custodians are going through, where it's like, if I don't, if we don't have access to those options, then we kind of just die, and there's nothing mm-hmm. we can do about it, right? Precisely. Because yeah. we are still paper-thin, one-wound, T3 infantry models. You know, T our toughest, our highest toughness in the, in the army is toughness five. Mm-hmm. Like, most things are chewing through us without our invulns, without our Trixie Hobbits' abilities of, you know, hard to hit and all that good stuff. Like, we just fall apart without them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what? You, take, 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 take your troops out of, outside of your Star Weaver, put them in the middle of the board, see how long they last. Like, they will die in, no, like, two I seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's ridiculous, man. Uh, there is nothing you can do about it. Like, they, your units will just die without Luck of the Laughing God. Um, I do kind of like the idea of restricting the amount uh, to units, right? I don't. Mm-hmm. I think that bringing it down to one is a little bit too much of a knee-jerk reaction. I think that's a little bit uh, uncalled for. Yeah, I guess. Agreed. Um, I would. I, I would be comfortable with going down to two or three. I think that yeah. that would be fine per unit. You can only use Luck of the Laughing God uh, two or three times for that unit, and I think that mm-hmm. that kind of balances out more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because like the, the mechanic is cool. Like when you're playing twilight and you take the twilight warlord trait, where if you just roll for luck of the laughing God, uh, you just dice get a CP. And you get CP. Yeah. Like it's fun. It's like, it's super fun. It's so thematic. Yeah, it's so thematic. Like I, I, I talked about this before on here, but man, GW has been doing such a good job with internal balance for these latest codexes. Like even yeah. though externally they're really strong, you're looking at Tau, <laughs> looking at Harlequins, all that stuff. Right. But internally, like, man, dude, Tau feels amazing to play. Uh, Harlequins feels amazing to play. Uh, Gene Steeler Colts, Thousand Sons. There's so much cool stuff that's out there with these newer codexes. And, like, I, I just want to take a second to really 
admire like how good they are because they're just I could not agree more. Yeah, like I I absolutely love them. I think that the external balance does need does need work though. So so those are the Harlequin changes that you want. Are there any other Harlequin changes that you think are necessary? Um so some people seem to think that players need to have a little bit of a bump, and I'm not sure I agree with that. I don't agree with that. Because players yeah. aren't good right now. Like they're, they're a necessary evil because <laughs> we need infantry, mm-hmm. but like they're still toughness three. They don't have any minuses to hit and shooting. They you know they just not, they don't have core, so they don't get affected by any of our auras. So like, what what's what's the point, dude? They, chaos, they space just... chaos space Chaos space experience are going to get two wounds before troops get core. That's the yeah. new thing. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's it. Um, no, I 100% agree. I don't think that troops need a point hike. The, the 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 highest strength you can get with troops is four. Like, yeah. you are... Yeah, wounded. there is no other plus one to strength. There is nothing else that we can apply to these units just other than their base weapon upgrades of, mm-hmm. hey, they get plus one, they're four plus, you know? Yeah, and the, yeah, and if you're looking at Harlequin Blades, then you're at strength three, AP three, mm-hmm. one damage, and it's like, ah, this kind of sucks. You can only take two fusion pistols. Uh, yeah, you could take two Nero Disruptors, but like... Eh, it's like it's uh-huh. what, it's another 10 points for that yeah um yeah it's like they they're mostly just there to hold objectives and like nerfing troops before they even have core um i think is a huge knee-jerk that's reaction. a kick in the teeth yeah yeah i'm we're, we're sorry about the nine void weaver list but you know uh-huh. just, just, just that needs don't, to don't change punch, but let's yeah don't punch us too hard and let let me get on my soapbox for a very brief minute, minute here. I strongly disagree with the idea of the data sheet being changed to limiting how many we can take. I don't think buggies deserved it either, but oh, I think that's VWs? a really bad... Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a really bad precedent to set in the game in general, and that whole balance change as a thing needs to go away. I, I, I would agree. happily undo it for buggies to keep it from happening in the future. I, I 100% agree. Um, I feel like a points hike is totally fine, um, I think that restricting the size, I think, is a huge, huge no-no. When you look at Harlequins in a vacuum, right, uh, prismatic cannons are the only things that we have that can deal with stuff like monsters that are T6, you know, alluding to the new Tyranids Codex that's coming out soon. Uh, hint, but <laughs> Hint, hint. Uh, but, you know, that's the only thing that we have that can really deal with those uh, units. And besides that, we have fusion pistols, and Which like we, we said before. Off. Yeah, we only get two of, unless you're a madman and you go with, like, 11 troops with yeah. four fusion and, pistols. And, and like, decide to march them up to the opponent's flyer and, like, hi! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there's some play with the webway gate. Um, You can probably, like, stick a webway gate there, have a 10-man squad of troops in there. Um, But at the same time, you have to look at the other armies that are strong right now. Like, you look at Tau, like, the reason why... Harlequins have to be inside of these transports, Star Weavers, not just because they're good, but because yeah. if they're not in there, they literally die to Tau. Like, there is they nothing just we can do. evaporate. Yeah, like, AFPs or ignoring line of sight, uh, going into your troops that are T3, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> only have a 4-up invuln, and, you know, you get, like, D3 plus 2 shots, or no, what is it? I think it's just D6 shots uh, off of mm. um, air bursting fragmentations. Yeah, like that's a you you can't run foot troops at this point, no, and I think you that can't. yeah, and I think that that's something that GW needs to look at. It's not just the nine void weavers. Like, uh, they did the same thing with Grey Knights, right? Grey Knights, mm-hmm. they hit Grey Knights with the the two basically the two data sheets that are just good, right? Yeah. Um, 
And since then, it's been a lot more difficult to run Grey Knights uh, because they didn't look at the army um, in a vacuum. Like, they didn't look mm -hmm. at Terminators, change their stuff up. They didn't look at Paladins and change their stuff up. They did, like, small point decreases, but didn't change the problem that the army had, right? And so when you go down this route of let's restrict Void Weavers down to, like, only three, like before, right? Where yeah, you can only bring one, one of each. Yeah, a unit of one, yeah. Yeah, at that point, like, there's no reason to bring Void Weavers anymore. Like, there's no, there is. Yeah, like, they, they're just... Uh, if you put down, like, uh, some type of uh, restriction like that, you have to look at the army in whole, right? Yep. Like, there's nothing that Harlequins could do at that point to something that is, like, uh, T8 non-vehicles. There, there's, like... You can play the mission, but that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not really killing anything, which is kind of like what happened with Harlequins a little bit during Ninth Edition after the uh, the nerfs that they received and the meta changing yeah. a little bit. It became more, I'm going to score points. I'm probably, I, I don't know if I'm going to kill anything. I'll try to, but if not, no big deal. I'm just going to score points, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was like, it's kind of, it's kind of lame for, for, for yeah. an army, you know? The, well, how did you feel during that time when uh, it was just like score points? I don't know if you're going to kill anything, but you're just scoring points. <laughs> it, it feels very reductive for the game because the game is based around like interacting with your opponent and, and you know fighting, engaging in combat, killing things, pulling models from the board, so on and so forth. It feels very reductive to what the game wants to be. And it was kind of frustrating to do in and of itself because, yes, the game is a game of tactics. It is a game of scoring points. It is a mm -hmm. game of positioning. But everything's got a gun for a reason okay yeah 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 <laughs> you let me get all these cool guns all these awesome melee bits and you know you have a three entire phases dedicated to action in this game that you're not encouraging me to participate in and that feels really crummy going off of that what are some other changes that uh you would want from other armies that you think would help bring uh the game to more balanced level when we're talking like stuff like custodies and tau so I, I wholly admit that I have a very little experience with Tau. I actually don't have a Tau player in my local meta, surprise, surprise. So I don't have much experience with that army, at least in a one-to-one in a mm -hmm. -one basis. But um, I don't know. It's really hard to say because I, I don't like making very sweeping you know, arguments like, oh, yeah, I agree with the community. This needs to happen because I haven't seen it in person. You know, I kind of would defer to someone who has more experience in that network to really kind of make that judgment. But mm. as, given the fact that these armies have been very pervasive and have seen a lot of reliable, consistent uh, placings and a lot of, uh, like I said, just, just a lot of reliability, I think there needs to be something that needs to be addressed in some aspects. Um, mm. I hear there's a bit of like a core issue going on with Tau. Like Tau is kind of abusing the core mechanic. Uh, Kind of like a lot of people are up in arms about broadsides um, having okay. core, but like the broadsides aren't really the problem is mostly just okay. the crisis suits. So it's like, mm. eh, eh, <laughs> eh. Um, so, well then let me ask someone like you who has a little bit more hands on, you know, a little bit more of a pulse on the greater arcing game as a, as a, as a design space. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think in this post Harlequin world, especially leading into some of the books we see coming out that custodies and Tau really do need to be addressed as much as we thought they did maybe, you know, six to nine weeks ago? Yeah, so Custodes are a little bit weird. They're in the same boat that uh, Harlequins are in, except that's slightly worse. Uh, mm -hmm. Harlequins have a lot of units that they can fall back on. Uh, you know, like we discussed earlier in this podcast, right? You know, Skyweavers, yeah. Starweavers, troops, uh, playing mm -hmm. the game like through uh, just playing the mission. Uh, Custodes don't really have that option. Um, and their anti-tank 
answer is actually worse than Harlequins, right? Uh-huh. You have Stinger Salvo, or not Stinger Salvo, Salvo Launchers, which is the Dark Lance basically equivalent, okay. right, for yeah. Custodes. Um, and uh, those are only on, like, your bikes and some Forge World models. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like, that is literally it. I don't, I, actually, I don't even know if it's on Forge World models. I Don't, don't quote me on that. But it's not as... Fair. It, there's not as much as you would think that there is. And mm-hmm. when you nerf their anti-tank, then we go into the same problem again, where once something comes up where it's like strength eight, like really hard to kill, you know, hint, hint, Tyranids, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it, Seeing it makes, a common theme. Yeah, common theme here, right? Uh, it makes it so hard for them to deal with that. They really have a hard time fighting against Crusher Stampede. So uh, nerfing them even harder is like, uh, with, with at least their anti-tank is a little mm-hmm. bit hurtful. Um, I think some of their stratagems uh, costs need to go up. I think that that's warranted. Trajan should probably okay. go up in points. Um, but besides that, like that's pretty much it. When it comes to Tau, though, Tau is a lot harder to uh, balance um, because, one, it's a very popular faction, right? So once you balance it, then it's going to become the whole, like, you nerf uh, space marines, and then you know there's a there's a huge abundance of space marine players. Everyone's gonna get upset, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that, you you make a good point. That's something that we've talked about a little bit in Discord. That there is a very big disparity for who owns, plays, and knows how to operate Harlequins yeah. versus something like space marines, craft world, even Tau, and even yeah. Custodes. You yeah. know, Custodes is a very low threshold army. We only need a dozen models to field a two thousand point army. It's got a very low threshold to enter. Tau is very popular because it's got a very um, it's got a very bold statement to make. It's a very um, very unique army in its own mm. so you know people gravitate towards because it, it has a very unique play style kind of similar to imperial knights i guess you could say yeah but um you know tau has its own little you know subsect of people that's not so little these armies exist outside of the sandbox harlequins kind of don't like there's you know you, you can count a harlequin player at an event on one hand yeah yeah i actually pulled up stats of this i'll i'll, I'll go over it in a little bit um of how many uh harlequin lists there were uh during this past weekend mm-hmm. um comparatively to like town custodes which i think is the bigger problem as of right now yes harlequins are strong but i also feel like custodes and tau are a bigger problem because you're going to be running into them way more than you are going to be running into harlequins right um and then tau like ignoring line of sight that tau's ignoring line of sight is literally the reason why we cannot as harlequins uh bring foot troops right correct like we cannot we have to pay the star weaver tax we have to pay this transport yeah. tax because if we don't they will die to tau and there is nothing we could do about it and mm-hmm. so that needs to be changed a little bit um probably increase some points there and you know there's also some other things in tau that i think that can be changed things like the ethereal not being able to be uh taken with farsight enclaves allied worlds absolutely um stuff like drones shouldn't be uh a part of a unit to where uh you can string out the drones in order to still get applied uh auras onto like exemplar of the monka uh stealth suits uh being able to use their homing beacon and you can kind of just string out because of the drones things like that they kind of change that with uh bodyguards where um it's on a model by model basis uh so that's actually really nice so i feel like that that should be reciprocated to other units as well uh probably increase the points cost of afps uh change like some of the ways that ignoring line of sight works Mm -hmm. um and i think like doing those things will probably be a lot better than doing something like restricting a unit size where you know before there was like that meme where um 
there was like this supposed leak of a data slate and it was like crisis suits. You can only take one squad of them or something like that. Um, don't think that that's necessary per se. Um, yeah, just stuff like that. I feel like would be good ways to start out, uh, with nerfing Tau. I think out of line of sight shooting in itself is a very tumultuous mechanic. I get why it exists, and I think mm. it should be a thing in some iteration. But the fact that it's now just effectively a free rule doesn't seem good for the balance of the game, especially as we're going to eventually start saturating the market a little bit more with stuff like Hive Guard coming back, with stuff mm. like you know Guard oh, being no. on the oh, horizon. No, no. Hive Guard will not come time. back. Hive Guard will not no? come back. I, I'm telling you right now, Hive Guard are not coming back. They're dead in the water. <laughs> fair, they are fair dead. Enough. <laughs> but even so, you know, we, we don't know what ta- or a guard um, indirect line of sight is going to going to bring for us. You know, yeah. this could be a huge problem when we start seeing stuff like uh, what were they? What were they? Wyverns, the thing that have like the four d six shots. Yeah, yeah, you know, or like, manticores or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that could be a huge problem in you know ten to twelve years when the guard codex comes out. But like, it, I agree with you completely. The mechanic in and of itself is on. I see what you did. <laughs> The mechanic in and of itself is on a very shaky ground because it could very quickly disrupt the entire balance of the game and invalidate a whole lot of things that wasn't already, you know, kind of standing on rocky footing. Yeah, yeah. Um, one one thing that they did do in the new Tyranids Codex um, is uh, for Hiveguard, for ignoring line of sight, they did something that's really interesting. And I feel like that that I don't know why they didn't do this earlier because it's such a cool uh, way to do ignoring line of sight is okay. um, the unit they can shoot. Uh, ignoring line of sight but a synapse monster or like an hq or something i think it's like a synapse creature has to have a line of sight of what you want to shoot at okay so you still have ignoring line of sight but you need to have a spotter in order to tell you where okay yeah i I like that a lot actually so it's like a hive mind consciousness consciousness thing where i'm you know i'm shooting from your perspective okay i can kind of I can get behind that. That makes sense. I can. I, that that's a, a fair. Uh, obviously, we're speaking off the cuff. We haven't seen it in play. Mm-hmm. It could mm-hmm. just be you know dummy broken like everything else in this game. But yeah, it could be. I think that's a fair compromise on paper. That makes that's a very fluffy way to do it, and also gives you some you know restriction to the rule that makes it a conscious decision, not yeah. just you know like eighth edition Dark Reapers where you sat in the back of the board and just shot everything forever because you could. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, being a Tyranids player, I would just stick my freaking hive guard inside of something that is like windowless or behind obscuring terrain yeah. and just never move them and then i just had a range of 36 inches to just shoot at anything and it was not fun for my opponent and i understand that and i get for it for sure yeah um so yeah so those are the changes that i was looking for uh for the balance slate um i definitely agree with you with the whole like fusion pistol things or not fusion mm. pistol things but like you know void weaver shouldn't be restricted yeah. to a squad of like two or whatever um, feels a little bit knee-jerky. Uh, moving on from there, uh, as far as like tournament showings for Harlequins over this past weekend, uh, it was huge on the Warhammer uh, competitive subreddit, right, uh, for Meta Mondays, mm-hmm. talking about how they had a 75% win rate, um, excluding the mirror match. Uh, the mirror match, I think, was like 80%, um, mm-hmm. which is insanely huge. That's a, That's a huge showing uh on the surface yeah on the surface but if you kind of like dive into what was going on during those events uh you'll see that out of all the events that happened and i was counting uh gts that had 30 or more players and had five or more rounds right so uh, harlequins in total there were 24 lists submitted tau had 35 lists submitted and custodians had 40 lists submitted all right um 
there were a couple of GTs. I think that there was two or three where Harlequins just were not there, and there were only and there was uh, Town Custodes, and Harlequins mm-hmm. just did not exist. Um, also, so like I think that the ratio is like one to one point four five for Tau, and then one to one point six six for Custodes. So okay. like that that's kind of like the ratio that you're seeing. You're going to see a lot more of Tau and Custodes, um, you know, matchups, right? But sure. when I when I looked into it even more, the highest that Harlequins had. Um, for an event, like the highest amount of pure Harlequin lists that were submitted was six, and Custodes was at a pretty 11. Um, <laughs> Tau was at like a decent eight, and like some of the stuff was kind of weird with Tau. Like, they there weren't a lot of lists that were running velocity trackers, they were still on target lock, which I thought that with. Uh, Harlequins being out with like everything being fly, people would switch over to velocity trackers, especially in Farsight Enclave. So then that way you can get uh, possibly up to plus two to hit. I don't know what was going on there. And then on top of that, like the armies that are supposed to be in contention uh, going up against Harlequins, a lot of them lost uh, to other armies that weren't Harlequins. So then like they couldn't get into the top. It was weird, man. Like this weekend, if you like really look at the matchups, it's like kind of all over the place. There's a lot less Tau players coming out. And um, maybe it's because they're doing like the whole meta chasing thing and then changing over to Harlequins instead, which I, I have a hard time believing that that is the case. I don't think that a lot of people actually do that. Um, I agree. Yeah, like, except for, like, top table players, then, yeah, I can see that, but, like, the normal Joe Schmo probably isn't spending, like, two grand every single month to build a new army and paint it and commission it. Um, but for Harlequins, right, uh, you're looking at, like, one major had five, one major had three, one had six, one had zero, three... Uh, for just not a lot. And then when you look at these win rates of like 75%, like the difference between uh, a 75% or 80% win rate when you only have like uh, uh, a small sample size of like 10 or 15 yeah. uh, games compared to like 75% out of like 30 games is completely mm-hmm. different. Like that, those are well, two sure. completely different statistics that should be like taken into account. But obviously Harlequins are still strong, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. I, I think a lot of what we're seeing, because you're, you're making the points of meta-saturation, yeah. where you're looking at the actual abundance of an individual army in, in, a, in a sandbox, in a given sandbox, and we're looking at it from the perspective of how many Harlequin players exist versus the other meta-contenders. Yeah. And to rebound off of one of the points you made before, people aren't rushing out and buying 12 boats to field nine void weavers, you know, 15 boats to, mm-hmm. to field nine void weavers and six R weavers. People aren't doing that off the cuff. People like us are shoring up those last three boats that we didn't own. And people like, I mean, not not, not so much like like Box because he's a celebrated yeah, Harlequin yeah. player, yeah. but a, a lot of Eldari player are dusting off their Harlequin collections and feeding them back onto the table. Mm-hmm. That's what we're seeing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and like a lot of the Star Weavers and Void Weavers uh, that were available for GW, and like this is something that I think that GW needs to start addressing are the leaks that there are seeing that are coming out for these codexes. Um, just yep. because like once those leaks come out, whatever is strong uh, for the people that are really into those factions, you know, like we're talking Harlequins, yeah. Eldar, we're talking like you know the last few factions that are coming out have huge player bases. Once these leaks come out. The whatever is strongest mm-hmm. are, are going to be sold out in like two days, if, if that, right? Um, and that's what happened with Harlequins when the uh, Eldar book leaked. 
uh, Void Weavers, Star Weavers, like, sold out for, I think, like, until the uh, until the book dropped. And then it was available again for one day, and then it sold out again. So, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, a lot of people trying to get their hands on it. Well, put it into perspective yeah. in another way that, you know, we talked about the existence of Harlequin players in a vacuum in the actual like player space of the meta. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say Harlequins account for, I'm just using an arbitrary number here, at 12% of the player population. Arbitrary speaking, 12% of Harlequin yeah. players are the yeah, population. Yeah. What happens if something something else happened like the Harlequin Codex did, where we got some leaks, we got some insider information, just like they're doing with Tyranids now, in an abundantly prominent faction, Chaos Space Marines, yeah. Guard, yeah. where all of a sudden people find out that Raptors are busted how's gw going to compensate for yeah, that? yeah what happens when guard comes out and they find out that basilisks are the new big thing what's going to happen you know yeah, yeah and like and i think that um and i know that this is a little bit off topic but it's an interesting conversation to have about like these nerfs and stuff that they're doing to these armies right is that um this balance slate is coming out uh pretty much uh probably around the time that tyranids the new tyranids book is going to be coming out right um yep if not before that and that means that, you know, they're going to be hitting these three factions that are strong as of right now, but then uh, releasing another faction that is a pr- that is going to be a problem. It's very obvious because, you know, those books are out. They have been leaked. Like, the entire Tyranids Codex has been leaked, and the entire Tyranids Discord, uh, which I'm a part of, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, I talk in there a lot, like, oh, for it's, sure. it, they are going crazy with this book, you yeah. know? Um, and putting out this balance slate like a week before a new book comes out and then just saying, yeah, whatever you guys read about the Tyranids codex, like it's just not happening. That doesn't work. Like it's just, we're going to run into this problem where this is the balance slate. And then what you're not, we're not going to have another balance slate for like another three or four months. That doesn't make any sense. Like what? No, absolutely not. Yeah. It's it's antiquated and it's so short sighted that you can't run a competitive model that way. Yeah, like it just doesn't make any sense, and I I think that that's like a really big problem that needs to be addressed by GW. Um, but like I said, you know, just going. Off we've topic. had the conversation a couple times yeah, yeah. in in the Discord yeah. that, and I'll I'll kill the topic here, but we've had the conversation a couple times in the Discord that I am terrified mm-hmm. of Harlequins getting a not even just a knee jerk but a substantial you know a relevant nerf mm-hmm. and then staring down the barrel of nids who we know are going to be scary yeah. of guard of chaos space marines of god knows what else that is yeah. going to be knights. a big problem for us in the future and exactly yeah. like uh, imperial knights things that are going to be extremely scary to us in you know three six nine months that are going to invalidate our army on top of the kneecapping we're going to get from the balance yeah league. yeah it's a it's it's a hard topic um, but on a, on a more happy topic, right? Uh, <laughs> I like those. what are some old things from the eighth edition codex you miss, uh, with the ninth edition one? Um, that, that's, again, we kind of talked about this yeah, a little yeah, bit previously yeah. that, you know, there isn't a whole lot. I think the ninth edition codex did wrong in terms of removing from us. Um, like I said, I miss the choreographer of war ability being, you know, just a blanket reroll. I miss, I, I miss the, uh, the solitaire having a uh, mask slash sated yeah, keyword. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of fun interactive stratagems that I miss. I think that's the one thing this Same. codex really fell short. And I think it was a compromise of being combined into a macro faction codex that there was a lot of fun 
fluffy, really interactive, really satisfying stratagems that we lost out on that kind of had to be left on the cutting room floor. And that's kind of, I think that's the biggest hit we took as a codex. Yeah, like there's a lot of people that uh, say that um, they want to see the Harlequin high skill ceiling uh, play style of like using your jank that you have in order to do the stuff that you want to do in order to win. Um, But if you read the codex, they actually stripped a lot of that away from us. Uh, curtain falls Agreed. changed. Um, you can't use it with skyweavers yep. anymore either, which kind of sucks. Um, that's the one where you can, after you hit something, you could just fall back, which is awesome. That yep. was so cool. Um, still have it, but you have to be next to a transport in order to do it. We lost things like mm-hmm. Hero's Path, uh, um, using uh, being able to be used with uh, the solitaire, I believe. Um, yes. We lost prismatic blur on our bikes. We lost. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did we lose? Torment of the Fiery Pit oh, yeah. no triggers no longer works on Solitaire mm-hmm. because reasons. Yep. Even though the last one specifically called him out as a legal target, and now this one specifically calls him mm-hmm. out as an illegal target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was really cool, like seeing Torments of the Fiery Pit, like fi- fighting against some. You, you know what's really scary? Going up against a Harlequins player who understands that they have an invuln save and they have an armor save, because yes. <laughs> that is very terrifying. <laughs> Because once you see someone be like, all right, um, I'm going to take your one damage uh, shot on my regular armor save, so it just goes through, which means I can now use Torments of the Fiery Pit, and now I'm going to attack you with more attacks. Like, yeah, that's exactly. cool. But yeah. I believe the stratagem is still the same. Yeah. It still just gives you plus two strength and plus two attacks. It just no longer triggers on the solitaire. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you would do exactly as you described. You were just like, okay, I'm going to take your bolter shot on my armor save. Oops, it got through. There's one damage. Now my solitaire is going to be strength seven with 14 attacks or 13 attacks. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah, which is cool. Like, there, you know, there's some jank that's still available, but it's not nearly as much jank as there used to be with the old codex, especially yeah. like uh, Twilight Pathways. Now you can't charge after using it as well. You can only yep. shoot. So uh, stuff like that um, got taken away from us. And, you know, I, I kind of miss those things. And I guess the other thing I would say that, that the last thing I could think of is, and this is a bit of a, uh, a contentious topic because of how good like the favor cha- favorite champion combo is. But I miss a lot of the interactions that the Death Jester had. Like I miss giving him relics. I miss him having his proprietary stratagems. I kind of miss him being a little bit more of an active player in the yeah. army. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Um Especially with like the uh, what is it the morale stuff that you could do before in the Eighth Edition Codex, where you could like um, uh, force somebody to pick up the model that uh, that yep. failed morale. That was cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool stuff like that. I kind of wish we we were able to go back to the way it was in Seventh Edition, where I went, where you would run away and I could choose the direction you ran yeah, away. Yeah, right. I kind of <laughs> wish it did that still, but that's a that's a topic for another yeah, conversation. Yeah. Uh, speaking of balance slates, I'm sorry. Uh, that that's actually something that I think that should be hit is the Death Jester. Um, the Death Jester is like pivotal role. I feel like shouldn't be like the Harvester of Torment, the one where it explodes three times. I don't think that that should yeah. be the cheapest pivotal role that he could take. <laughs> that should probably no, be yeah, the most I could expensive. definitely see that role getting a couple more points. Yeah, I could yeah. totally see that one getting a points <laughs> adjustment. I don't think the rule should change because it's not really that busted. Like it's good, but like it shouldn't be. What is it? Twenty points base. I think it's fifteen. Or even might even be fifteen. Yeah, 15. yeah. yeah. It, it it needs to be a lot more. Yeah, yeah. It needs to be like twenty five or thirty. The fact that Rift Ghoul, the one where it deals mortal wounds, is more expensive than three explosions yep. is like what? What were you guys thinking? This doesn't make sense. Okay, but why though? Yeah, right. 
But it is funny seeing like Riff Ghoul comboed with like suit of hidden knives with a death jester yeah. where he's just like rolling mm-hmm. up the board and like dealing six mortal wounds to something. That's pretty funny. I like yeah. that. That's cool. <laughs> um, so that's gonna bring us like towards the end of uh this episode. But before we leave, I want to do one last question here. Um, and that's just about the Tyranid leaks and what you're expecting to do with their when their new book arrives. Um, but you've already stated before that you haven't read through like the leaks or anything and what you're expecting to change, yeah. right? I haven't quite have had as much time to digest a lot of the leaks. Unfortunately, my work life tends to get in the way of a lot of the goings on during yep. the day. But um, I, I've caught a little bit of glimpse of some of the conversations we had, and I think you can fill in this a lot better than I can. But I'm I'm I don't want to say I'm worried because I'm always worried. But I mm-hmm. th- this is going to be a real tough co- codex for us to crack once they come out, assuming everything pans out the way we think it's going to. Yeah. So I'm actually really curious to think how someone in your your game space is going to actually tell us how we can adapt to that codex coming forward. Yeah. So like when it comes to Harlequins and the matchup that's going to be coming up soon with the Tyranids one, we already have a bad matchup against Crusher Stampede. That's like a fifty percent win rate for us. Um, in in yeah. general, uh. It's it, it's really up in the air whether or not we win that matchup or not. Um, mm-hmm. Now you strip Crusher Stampede away because you know obviously we don't know if it's going to stay or not. We don't know if the uh, Leviathan supplement's going to stay or not. So just going off with just the straight new Tyranids Codex, um, you know we're going to be seeing a lot of Mortal Wound spam. So much Mortal Wounds. It's like it's going to be ridiculous. Uh, lots of really really good. Uh, anti-tank weaponry like your heavy venom cannons which mm-hmm. are going to be strength 9 ap3 4 damage uh shard gullet which is a relic which is strength 12 uh ap5 5, oh five damage um it's like <laughs> it's it's ridiculous uh there's there's some crazy stuff in there their troop choices are going to be like strength 8 walking up the board with advance and charge mm-hmm. um that's a troop choice at strength 8 that's hilarious uh <laughs> and then uh things like uh flying hive tyrants going up dealing like mortal wounds again in melee combat with reaper of all the tracks like a bunch of i'm saying a bunch of gibberish mm-hmm. to you but like there, 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 there's a lot of stuff to be worried about um so I'm frantically scrolling through the, the screenshots posted in Discord yeah, trying yeah. to keep up with yeah. you. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah no, no, I, I understand. Um, it's going to be very hard. Uh, I think that when it comes to Harlequins, uh, depending on what's going to happen during the bounce slate, I think that you pivot over to, uh, like, you know, whatever, however max amount of Void Weavers that you can possibly take because you're going to need that against the matchup um, just because you have yeah. no other options besides, like, fusion pistols, but, like, that's not going to do it much against them um because they're going to be like transhuman most of the time so mm-hmm. uh things like uh just playing the mission correctly um tyranids don't have good access to really good secondaries uh the secondaries inside their book are kind of garbage so they're going okay. off of like what's happening in knackman data or in the knackman gpt book um they can do stuff like r&d but they can only do that with like uh 10 model units or you know, like it's not very easy for them to do that. So mm-hmm. you just play the mission well. Um, I think that you'll be fine. Um, and then just like take it on the chin. Uh, the units that are gonna die. It's gonna be like the same play style as like the ninth edition lol, where you're prob you might not kill something, but you're gonna outscore in points. And that's gonna be like the basic okay. matchup when it comes to Tyranids versus Harlequins. So l- let me ask an abstract question and see if you can decipher what I mean yeah. by this. Do you think they're going to perform more like a fast? death guard or a resilient harlequin um if that makes sense let's see they're, they're not as fast as they used to be uh they okay. don't have hive commander anymore so they can't do like a double move but okay. uh they still have access to things like advance and charge which is nice 
mm-hmm. um, with, with off of a psychic power, which you're probably not going to be able to deny uh, because it's going to be like done like super far away unless you have a deny of like 40 inches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, besides that, um, I would say more of a Harlequins game. Like they're, okay. they're, they, they'll play more like Harlequins in the sense of they're gonna, especially as of right now, where it's just like harder to kill. Um, mm-hmm. but they don't have a lot of obsec bodies comparatively to what they okay. have now, right? Um, okay, just because they're obsec bodies, like like their termagons kind of got the orc treatment where it's like they went up in points and they mm-hmm. have like a better gun, but why take those when you could just take Tyranid warriors? It doesn't make sense. So yeah, there's, there's no point. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, cool. So. That is going to be it for this episode. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode of Chapter Tactics. Batty, please plug yourself in all the social media areas where people can find you. Plug the Discord even. Talk about just talk about yeah. yourself. I'll, I'll give you like I'll, I'll give you uh, uh, twenty minutes to talk about yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, think yeah, even I could fill yeah. that much time. But uh, th- thank you so much for having me. It genuinely has been so much fun to do this. Um, as we mentioned, my name is Batty. You can find me on the Harlequin Discord. Um, if Matt is kind enough, I'll ask him to plug the uh, link in the show notes. It is an open invite. Course, yeah. We also have our subreddit, our uh, our Harlequins. That is Harlequin with an S. Forty K on Reddit. I am the lead moderator there. We have an awesome community there as well. Um, I don't do a whole lot of social media outside of Discord and Reddit. I actually don't even have a Twitter. So, um, you know, get, tracking me down Discord is probably the easiest way to do it. But uh, yeah, that's it. You know, if you're involved in the Harlequin community, I'm always there buzzing around watching, you know, uh, conversing with somebody. I'm always, I love to talk about hobby. I love to talk about list brewing. I love to shit post and go over memes with people. You know, it's what we do here. So, like I said, that's yeah. I'm just so happy to be here. This was a really great time. We're all, we're all clowns here. Everyone's a clown. <laughs> um, but uh, you also have a... Uh, um... A podcast, Choreographer of War, right? That's right. Yeah. So um, my, myself and one of my other moderators, we do run our own proprietary podcast called Choreographers of War. It is a Harlequin-centered podcast, similar to, uh, uh, was it Splinter Minds, who does the, uh, the yeah, yeah. Uh, We We post every two weeks, and we just started, we just put out our third episode this past weekend. So we're still pretty green in the podcasting area, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. We plan to keep going for quite some time, and we focus on specifically Harlequin content. So if you're looking uh, for Harlequin-specific content, you can find us on all major podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, so on and so forth. If it hosts a podcast, you can probably find us there. We also link it in the Discord itself, and I'm planning to, to launch a YouTube channel and back post all of our previous episode once I get through that. So if YouTube is your preferred medium, we can do it there as well. Let's go. Yeah, there's a lot of uh of like uh niche um army podcasts. I think like Sister Act is another one. I like that title. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. With, uh, Sisters of Battle, stuff like that. Um if you guys are adamant about your armies and you want to learn more about them, I highly, highly suggest using forms of social media like Discord in order to join these communities. Um, not just going over to the Reddit pages, but going inside the actual discords. You will learn so much about your army and about different matchups. I cannot harp of uh, on how important it is to join these discords and like really dive into uh, the rest of like the hive mind of uh, your army. Right. I agree 100%. I'm, I'm even in discords for armies I don't even play yeah. because I just like the army or, you know, I like the community that is built. I want to learn about it. You know, I'm still part of the Gene Sealer cult, cult uh, um, discord. Yeah. I don't even have the army yeah, anymore. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. If you guys liked it, make sure that you guys hit the subscribe button. 
press the like button, all that good stuff. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Goodbye, everybody.